I'm pale, so my, my chin blends into my neck. That's a good thing, isn't it? No, because then it looks like there's no, like, it looks like there's rolls. Yeah, but if it if it blends in, it's just the neck. Right, but it doesn't look like a neck. It doesn't look like there's a neck there. It looks like this. It no, it doesn't like look this. like that. Don't do that again. <laughs> Don't do that scary. <laughs> it looked like a Shrek Shre- like and drag. Yeah, uh, dude, I was gonna, I was gonna post a picture of me and uh, Hazel laying down, looking up at the camera, because I did that one of me and Mabel too. So I was gonna do one of me and Hazel, mm-hmm. and I was gonna say, "Look, you can't even see our third chins." And, and you decided not to do that. I ran out of time. I did see the pictures you you guys posted. They're super cute. They are. Okay, everybody, welcome to Sound Pollution. We should have done that earlier. Oh, well. We should not have or we should have. We should have said welcome to Sound Pollution earlier. We need we to get can, better. It's fine. We, hi, welcome to Sound Pollution. It's a little late I'm now. Uncle Brent. And <laughs> with me, as always, is my favorite co-host and your favorite co-host, too, Ronell. Yeah, I even have war the paint on today. The, says it all. Ruh says it all. Yeah. Like raw? Yeah. Oh, raw. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. I'm tired. I couldn't muster up all the grit that's required to do the R part of it. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for joining us today. Today, we will be speaking with Ivan. From Minor Arc. From Minor Arc or Minerk. And uh, several other projects as well. Yes. And um, this actually gives me that opportunity that I was talking about. I really need to thank Pan. Interviewed him with sound with Sound Animal quite a while ago, and he keeps, you know, sending people to us. And I just want to take this moment to really thank him. Um, Ivan is one of those those people that was put on our radar, uh, really because of Pan. And also should thank Sound Animal because I w- we wouldn't have met Pan without Sound Animal. So I just want to take this moment to like say thank you can i take a moment to thank him too yeah do it thank him all the way (laughs) and i just want to thank you so much you're such a critical part of our process and what we do and who we do it to we appreciate it keep smiling keep shining knowing you can always count on me you Thank got you, a Pam. friend in me. <laughs> I don't know whether he's going to love that or want to kill me. You got to <laughs> leave it in there. Whatever you do, you got to leave it in there. You just got to let that shit lie. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that uh, we're interviewing Ivan today from Minor Art. Uh, he's got an interesting past and hopefully a good future, but we'll find out more if we as we dig into it. And we're um, he's also interviewing me for his blog, uh, Dark Stereo, which is online. And so make sure you click on those links below. Mine's not up yet, but he's interviewed a lot of really cool people. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, let the Kraken in. Hello. <laughs> hey, dude, what's up, man? So, Ivan, who are you and what do you want? Oh, wow. Let's start small. <laughs> uh, who am I? I'm a solo musician in Australia. Been playing music for oh, a long time. Don't want to give away my age straight away. <laughs> you That's have to buy fair. We first. all do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I studied music as a child, pretty much exclusively classical, uh, violin, a little bit of piano, but Piano didn't really work out for me for some reason. Not sure why, but I, that changed later on, of course. See, a lot of study, a lot of playing in orchestras and things in our small town here, Canberra. We're the capital city of Australia, but most people probably still think Sydney is. <laughs> uh, so we, oh, we're about a bit, like, bit under half a million people here. It's a fairly bubble-like place, you could say. We're inland. Um, there aren't a lot of live music venues so, yeah, it's kind of an isolated existence here. So I studied music at school and then kind of stopped after persistent kind of pain in my neck from 
overexposure to the violin, pointing oh, your neck at one angle yep. can, constantly, being expected to practice for, you know, an hour a day, all those things that aren't very fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I stopped and then my father used to make instruments part-time just for <gasps> himself. Oh, that's oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. What kind of instruments? Oh, he made his first guitar in the early 70s. He, he loved playing classical guitar. Um, so he he's built probably three or four over his lifetime, but he made a specific one that came apart into pieces to travel with. He brought that over from the UK to Darwin in the 70s and the, the poor thing uh, suffered from the humidity a bit. Uh, but I still got that here. I still play it occasionally. Uh, basically, the wood cracked around the sides. Uh, but we've done our best to repair it. How does it break down? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He can't help himself. How does it break down? I, can you show me that? This doesn't yeah, yeah. have to be on the podcast. Just real, just humor me. Sorry. We can, we can, we can uh, describe because, it in words somehow. So yeah. the, because the thing the I'm top the, of the neck. Yeah, go ahead. There's a hinge under here. I don't know if you can see that. I can see that. So the that whole section folds back. You have to take the strings off, of course. Okay. Uh-huh. So that bit folds back on itself. And then um, here, the entire neck just slides out. There's actually a groove oh, under see. there. So it comes apart into two pieces and it's... Uh, you don't have nylon strings on that, dude. I do. You do? <laughs> they, look, they, look like they're, uh, they look like they're steel from where I'm at. Ah, oh, there they uh, are. Okay. Yeah, got, got the blackies on the bottom there. Yeah. Um, what is it, about 17 inches in size? Yeah, that's just, nice. Just the body. That so would let me make traveling so much easier. Have, so this this fits in the suitcase when it's broken down. That's sweet. So have you played other guitars, and have you noticed a sound difference between that guitar and other guitars? Because see, I would be afraid that if I had one that broken down, that it wouldn't resonate sound as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, yeah. Do, do you have problems with that? With uh, that guitar. I guess I use the door to clean up the mess it makes sometimes. Okay. Uh, I, I I just stick a $20 contact mic on that and um, just clean up the signal afterwards. Now, he also has a 1970s Kono mm-hmm. um, classical guitar made in Japan in the 70s, which is a beautiful-looking instrument, but for some reason when I play it, it sounds worse than this one that's almost falling apart. <laughs> I think it's to do with the scale length or something. I've got um, quite short fingers and short arms. So for you know some what? reason, this travel guitar just works better. <laughs> you know what? I bet you make up for it with enthusiasm. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> so so back, back to uh, how you got started with music. Was there like a moment for you where you were like, okay, yeah, violin's cool, all that's neat, but I want to do my own thing over here. When did that moment happen? Oh, probably in my late teens, I was going out like a lot of uh, teenagers do to live music and pubs and clubs and things like that. And I was really enjoying a lot of the music. I discovered uh, there was a bit of an underground Gothic industrial culture here in Canberra. Um, And there were a couple of, you know, there was an Irish pub that played a lot of alternative music, that sort of thing. So that was around the early 90s when uh, I guess the grunge scene was breaking out. It was always in my mind from then on that, you know, I'd really like to try and record something or be in a band one day. So that's really cool that you got. So it was like like early night. Was it late 80s, early 90s or pretty much early 90s? Don't make Maybe late, late 80s, I might have started to explore Pink Floyd and a, a few things like that. But early 90s was, I guess, uh, golf industrial. I used to have, go to a local record shop pretty regularly maybe four or five times a week and uh i just pick out music off the shelf and look at the album cover and go oh i'm gonna go home and see what this is so i discovered uh more i guess metal through that uh doom metal the early i don't know it's strange a lot of this early music that i just picked out at random and started to really enjoy are now perhaps considered sort of the beginnings of the genres they created uh baffery for example Mm -hmm. solitude Mm eternus 
one of the first cassettes I bought was Images and Words by Dream Theater, just because I thought, wow, look at that album cover. That's crazy. That's I've got to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ministry, uh, before they got rather huge. Yeah, I don't know. Just felt so like how- different days then. You just walk into a record store and check the section that was related to your genre and don't pick something out at random. That? Does anybody else miss that? I miss record record stores because when I was a kid, we lived out in the country, and so when I I would save up all my pennies and money and stuff I stole from everybody, and then I would go to the record store, and I would literally be in there for like three hours trying to pick out one tape, one CD, one record. And it was tough because I knew that I had to listen to this. This was would be all I had other than radio. And I was a little heavier-edged a lot heavier edge at that point in time because I had some issues, but um, <laughs> we all did. But so, so I would like, you know, it was a big decision. It was probably one of the biggest decisions I had to make as a kid is what music am I going to buy? And I'm talking like 11 year old, not 20 year old. I just bought everything. I would just walk in and I want this. I want this. I want that, you know, but when you're little, it's like, you know, and you it's only a have- bigger deal, isn't it? Yeah, it was humongous, and it's totally changed, uh, shaped how I listen to music. And so I'm kind of glad that I had that experience. What was your experience like? You're talking about, oh, I did a bunch of classical, and then I had neck problems. So I just decided to go go all in and go for heavy metal. How did How did your brain go, I don't want to listen to classical anymore? And Pink Floyd is a good stepping stone. Because they're not it's like a, a gateway. <laughs> it is. It's, Pink Floyd is like the gateway drug to many different genres of music. <laughs> I guess another gateway for me was Marillion, UK progressive band, progressive rock, I guess you'd call it. I, I really loved them as a no, kid. I, I would collect their CDs and arrange them chronologically on the shelf. <laughs> that was me too. Fishier, especially. Yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to start writing that kind of music? Like, how did that happen? I guess when technology made it possible for me to do it in a way that was affordable. In the early 90s, I was just a poor student, pretty much, doing the two-minute noodle thing and trying to get through university, maybe delivering pizzas on the weekend in, a, in an old car. That, <laughs> so seems, concept- that seems very familiar. Going to gig and seeing someone with a Marshall amp was like, wow, that would take me 20 years to save up for. <laughs> uh, but then when uh, I guess it became more or easier to, to record onto a computer, uh, when CD-ROMs became a thing and you could actually just burn your own discs instead of paying a small fortune for someone else to do it, I think that was what really changed it for me. Uh, just the ability to take it from beginning to end on your own accord without uh, needing to be signed or, you know, a large amount of money behind you to just to get things going. So you played violin, you tried piano, didn't work out so well, but you went back to it and now you play piano, keys, and synth. Is there anything else that you play? What other instruments do you play? Because there's a lot of going on on your album. Like I was wondering, you know, are the strings real? So what other instruments do you play and then who do you contract out with to do the other parts that you don't, you know, that you're too good for? <laughs> uh, so I play, got a seven-string electric here, just a PRS SE. That's a guitar I must have bought about ooh, 10 years ago or so. And I just refuse to get rid of it for some reason. It just works for me. Um, there's a bass guitar here, just a, an Ibanez ATK. I've only had that maybe two years now. So I had to play that on the album, of course. Being a new instrument, you kind of fall in love. Uh, this <laughs> breakdown classical guitar is in there. And um, other hardware, there's an Alasis QSR uh, rack synth here, which is where the piano sounds come from. That synth actually belongs to an old friend of mine who I met in Japan. He was a bit of a synth collector. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes synth, synth wave music now, 
Um, but he basically said, oh, you should just keep this, man. So I've had it ever since. <laughs> nice. Score, free instrument. That was, Here, that you was should a good, keep it. <laughs> okay. That, that was a good deal. <laughs> drums? Do you play drums? No, the drums are programmed. So synth-wise, uh, you could maybe go, it's a 50-50 split between hardware. There's a Korg microcorg here on the desk as well and uh, VST instruments, but the drums are all VST. Uh, some of the guitar is VST. I like to mix mechanical with organic sound. You probably notice some of the piano is MIDI and some of it is played in live. I like to play around with just the differences in doing that. No outsourcing as such with uh, the instruments. I've just done it all here at home. So this was all home recorded. Uh, yep. That is really cool because it comes off very clean, very professional. How would you describe your sound to somebody who hasn't heard it before? Sort of an uh, amalgamation of classical piano, maybe some prog rock guitar styles and then branching out into Degent and I guess some flavors from new metal as well. I like how you blend the genres, you blend the different sounds, you kind of bend them to your will. How did you come up with that sound? Uh, it just happens. It just happens. So when, when I record a song, I don't plan ahead of time. I don't work out, you know, a verse chorus structure. I don't decide what key it's going to be in. All I know is what kind of feel of intro I want to go for. And I just put that in and then the rest I just let happen kind of as it wants to. So I let the music decide. So at some point I'll go, I'm getting bored now. I want to add something heavy. And then you just do. You just kind of do it. And then I just just chug something in and see what happens. (laughs) So the thing I like about what you – I'm a guitar guy, so I love guitars. I mean, guitar, 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 acoustic, classical, metal, progressive, whatever. I love guitar. The cool thing about your stuff is because I listen to um, some of the songs from, uh, you know, Palace of Crystal and A Breath Short Path. But I also listen to Monolith of Clay and A Brief Afterthought. There are some in there when you have like this super heavy guitar part, but you pull back everything else. It's like if you were to open up someone's chest and you could see everything inside of it. And that's kind of what you do with the in parts of it with the guitar. And so do you hear that in your head or are you just screwing around and going, okay, I'm going to move this here. I'm going to do this or you know, when you're working in the DAW, are you just flying around and messing with your levels and stuff like that? How do you decide to pull off everything and add everything back? What directs that? Oh, that's a tricky one to answer. I feel like it it just happens. It's almost dictated by how my ears are feeling at that time. So if I start feeling like a section of the music's gone on a bit long and I want to add a real black-white contrast, it just feels like it should happen. So I, I, I just drop it in. I love fading instruments in and out with each other as well. Um, I used to do that very gently in early music. I'd spend quite a few seconds with instruments fading so something else can come in, Um, whereas the last couple of years I've just gone, bang, I'm cutting that bar there and I'm going to do something more abrupt. (laughs) I, I actually hear the transition that you're talking about. And, yeah, it may not take as long, but I hear like right up to the point I was like, oh, something's going to happen here, so I'd get ready. And then it just, you break into something else. And you do a cool job too of, you almost treat it like it is like a quartet of some sort, where you have your parts cross over each other and take the melody and rhythm. It's very uh, aerobic, I guess, because even, even with your piano and keys parts, you have them lay on top of each other and they like hand off the melody or hand off the spirit of the song. And so I really like that about what you did too. Oh, thank you. That's cool. See, I've never thought about it this way because, uh, it, you know, it takes an external listener to kind of identify things you don't really even notice yourself when you're doing this. Some of this might even be a symptom of I've never been very comfortable at mixing. I wouldn't consider myself very good at it at all. So sometimes if it's getting really thick and muddy, I'll just subtract instruments out to, to get it clean again rather than um, spend a few weeks trying to fiddle with, you know, sidechain compression and all that fancy stuff. So it's okay. a, maybe a mixture of the way I work and also the things I'm not very good at. Palace of Crystal was really awesome. It uh, it starts out, it's minor, minor key, right? It starts out minor key. 
I think so. I think you find I I rarely play in major keys intentionally. <laughs> no, and I love that. That's another jazz component you use. It's almost like, let me see what I can do with these minor notes. If it sounds happy, something's wrong. <laughs> it comes on really dark. Are the string parts, it sounds like you have like actual strings playing. Are you using a synth or is it actual string work? That one has a mixture of the both. Okay. So there's a VST synth and I also recorded a bit of violin in and I probably just kind of blended them together a bit just for fun. That is so badass. I don't like playing violin at home because everyone can hear, obviously. That video was filmed in a small rehearsal studio here in Canberra. Uh, So I just took the violin with me and tracked it at the same time. So Palace of Crystal is on uh, Untold, correct? Yeah, that's right. And then you have Palace of Silt on Overburden. Yep. Do you want to talk about how those two are related? Or are they related? Yeah. I guess I wanted them to be related. Whether they end up that way or not is up to the listener. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they're maybe sister tracks to each other. Maybe not in the way they sound, but in perhaps the mood I was in when I laid them down. And it made the title easier to follow a theme rather than have to think of something new.
I really like what you do and how you think about the titles. I mean, maybe you don't think about the titles, but it's funny how they're related and they can be two totally musical separate pieces. They're related at the same time. It's just funny. It's real cool. Oh, thank you. Those two afterthought tracks were literal afterthoughts. So the album was done with eight tracks. And then one night I thought, oh, I'm sick of mixing and mastering and all that stuff. I don't want to sit on Facebook all night. <laughs> so I might just um, have a fiddle and see what happens. And went, oh, there's another track maybe. So a couple of weeks pass and there's two more tracks. And I thought, well, I'd better slap them on the end. Otherwise, you know, they <laughs> probably won't be released for at least another year yeah. or maybe 10 years. Who knows? <laughs> Is the Overboard an album like an overflow of songs that you did not include on Untold? I mean, is that kind of how that happened where you're like, shit, I have too much music. I need to put it on Overburden. And then when you were you got frustrated with mixing and mastering, you write two more songs, which totals another 14 minutes that needs to and go on to the album. And then you have to mix the and master them. <laughs> <laughs> mm, not really. Untold was finished, mastered. I wanted to put it to bed. So I just started recording again, not knowing what would happen, but I found that I was still in the same kind of groove mm-hmm. and it was actually a lot easier to produce or to create than Untold was. It just all came very quickly. So I thought, oh, well, there we go, we've got a companion album. So Overburden took me, I think, about three months to do, whereas Untold took two years. <laughs> wow. wow. Tell me a little bit about A Breath's Short Path. I've always liked, I guess, fairly simple, classical sort of style tracks mixed in with things that are heavy. That might be going back to Solitude, Aeternus and the Doom days where there'd be a couple of instrumental tracks that were quite short mixed mm-hmm. in with an album. I still like still like that feeling. But I guess also on your first listen, you're never sure what's coming up and just to, to, to switch things around occasionally. I still believe in listening to albums start to finish rather than picking out individual tracks and putting them in a playlist or whatever, just start to finish, especially if it's a concept uh, album as well. But occasionally I feel like you need to give the listener a break maybe. So do four tracks that slowly build up, um, potentially hurt the ears a little bit more, and then just let it chill out, give them three minutes of peace before you continue on, that sort of thing. So when I was listening to that that song, I thought, now I could be wrong, but I thought that it had kind of a oriental feel to it at the beginning, some of the the melody that was being played. Did you mean for that to happen or am I just like like imagining things? It was like I couldn't I couldn't decide if it was the tone of the the instrument playing the melody or if it was the progression and notes being played hmm i wouldn't have thought of that brent until you said that i didn't get that at all but now that you said it i'm like yeah it's very subtle it's very subtle at least at the intro but then there's this tone and this progression it's the tone is it because i was like this hasn't and then I poor Ivan, he's just sitting there while we're like no that's what it is man it's his music (laughs) we're just we're just like i don't I don't really have an answer for that one. I listen to a fair bit of world music as mm. well. I like uh, Bliss in particular that use all kinds of, I guess, cultural sounds and ethnic sort of instruments. So maybe that, maybe I was well, going through a phase like that at the time. You know, I'm a writer too. I don't write stuff like you. Mine's a little more basic, you know, kind of like a five-year-old writes. When I write a song, it pulls from different genres, different decades, different bands. And stuff that if you would have tried to put it together just on its own, it wouldn't go together. It needed me to be stuck together. You know, like I play some stuff that sounds like Metallica, but then I'll find a way to put the black. Do you know who the black crows are? Oh, yes. Yep. I find a way to put in a part that sounds black crowish or dream the song Dreamweaver some tones from that will make it into it or something. So then you'll have these three totally different things living in one area. Do you do that a lot? I, Cause I hear that in your writing, like in that song specifically, I was like, Oh, a slap bass would be part would be great right here. Do you hear that stuff too? Yeah. I think, think I can relate to you on that. 
For sure. The first track on Untold, there was a section, I think about halfway through where it starts building up, which I recorded it and I thought, ooh, that sounds a bit like Pearl Jam, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's something I enjoyed many years ago when uh, 10 came out. It's probably not cool to say that anymore, but I thought no, that's it was pretty still good a very at the time. Album. <laughs> it's a good album. I guess you can't help but uh, have your things you've previously listened to and have stuck in your head your whole lifetime sort of emerge through your own music as well. Yeah. I just think that's really neat that something you list that you could passively listen to, but because you heard it so much will creep back into your life 30 years later and your own work will be flavored by something you were passively listening to. You know what I'm saying? I just think that's interesting. Do you find when you, when you sleep, you wake up and you know, you've been dreaming in audio, like you've been listening to music all night sort of feeling. Do you ever get that? I do. That's that questions to both of you. Cause you're both massive music fans. <laughs> I, I, I have dreams that I can hear people cheering. Maybe that's my ego. I don't know. But like, like, you know how a big arena sounds. So I know I was doing something or at least attending something very cool in my dreams. I'm going to take that out because I sound super egotistical. No, that's fine. No, I think I, that's cool. I, I think that as far as when I'm sleeping, it can be different ways. So one way will be like I'm struggling with a song and I'm struggling either with the music because I do lyrics too. So I'm struggling with the lyrics and it'll be me. I can hear everything, but I can't, I can hear it. And I'm telling myself, look, you just need to, can't you hear that? And you just <laughs> need to write it. And I'll be telling myself. And then the other thing is, is, is I'm seeing something uh, like, like living a scenario, you know, like a, like a real dream. And then the music comes out and support it. And then I'll be like, oh, well, that doesn't sound right right there. Let's do this. <laughs> Does have that's that's kind of what my mind does. My mind is uh, like always moving stuff around, and that's like let's... mixing in your sleep. That sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you do it more than once, it is. See, when I dream, I do it once, and that's it. <laughs> oh, you're done. That's it. Yep. <laughs> do you ever do that, Ivan? Do you wake up and you're like, "That's the finish to this song that I've been working out"? Does it come to you in your dreams? Uh, sometimes I might go, "Oh, that was a cool melody." I really hope I remember that. Yeah, and I never do. Ah, <laughs> oh. it, it's gone. I, I'm a, I'm an idiot in the morning. I mean, don't don't talk to me for the first two hours of the day. You're I've like, even is this warned- coffee cup empty yet? Is it's not empty yet? Then. Sh- sh-
I was reading up on something, and you basically said when you moved from Melbourne back home that you pretty much thought your music career was dead. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It was a really difficult time. Um, I didn't feel like there was space in my life for it, to be honest. Plus, kind of limited number of venues here. I'm not really the kind of guy that likes to, I guess, try and become involved in the scene and all that. And I'm a grouch in the morning, so if I go out late too too often, it becomes a bit of a problem. <laughs> Is it something that you're wanting to do where you are? Uh, no, I'm happy to wait, actually. Happy to wait. I, what are I, you like waiting to, for? Uh, to meet with Ben again and try and work out how to perform this stuff live as a two- or three-piece uh, I have played solo before, but I don't think I can, can really do that anymore. Things have got a bit too complicated. <laughs> have you thought about finding other artists to play live with you there that live near you? Uh, it's crossed my mind, but I'll probably only be here another 12 months. That's oh, so you're going to so. go back to, to Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So I'll just awesome. press, the, press the pause button. I am We've working with there. another fellow here on a symphonic metal project what's the name yes. of that uh caradress okay so we'll keep our we'll uh, keep our ears open we've only that. got two two songs partly written uh we've never met each other he uh okay. he's supplying drum parts and guitar and saying hey do you want to add some piano so then i just stick that in and send it back to him and we go back and forth well you're gonna that's have cool. to come back on when that's done so how did dark the dark stereo platform happen because that that was I saw stuff about that too, and maybe you can just because you kind of left that when you left Melbourne, or it modified or changed somehow. Can you kind of talk about that for a little bit? The dark stereo platform or site or business? Yeah, sure. It'd be over ten years ago now. When I was living in Melbourne, we set up a regular event, usually once every one, two, or three months. It was a little bit random that way, but it was regular in that it kept going throughout the years. We did about, I think it was 19 underground music events at our small clubs, and this was experimental noise, uh, some industrial artists, pretty much anything goes. And a lot of the artists at that time wanted, a, a, I guess, a single platform to collect the community together and promote their music. So we set up a little online a uh, music shop called Dark Stereo, which sold their CDs and digital copies of, of their albums. This is before streaming, um, probably pre-Bandcamp too. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to check that. Anyway, it was just a platform for these guys to let people purchase their music. That went on for a while, and then, of course, people stopped or slowed down in purchasing CDs and technology changed. I sort of left left recording music for quite a while, physically relocated here. And then it was while I was here that some of these Melbourne guys said, we'd really like a place where we can get a review or an interview from someone that knows the music that we like, but um, is kind of an independent entity as well. So I said, well, I'd be happy to do that if people are, are interested. So I kind of exhumed the project and took it from there. That's really cool because I can tell you, I mean, and you know yourself, it's really hard, even if you're doing an experimental or if you're just doing regular stuff, sometimes it's really hard to be a musician and it's hard to get decent feedback. You know, like some people just say something, oh, that's great. Well, what was great about it? Or I hate that. Well, what did you hate about it? You know, you're probably like, eh, I don't think what I do is important. But I want to tell you, it is important, and it's important to people, you know, like me most definitely, but the other guys out there because there's not a place for all of our music, you know. Especially like, independent music in any way. Yeah. You've got and like so, college stereo almost, and that's it. So I think it's great what you're doing, and you're helping out people, you know, because I write a bunch of different kind of music, and if it's not branded for my band – then I can't do anything with it. You know what I'm saying? Because if I go out and play a metal metal song is Uncle Brent and the No Stone, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? You're supposed to be a bar band. 
You know, I want to hear one, four, five. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to commend you on that. And I think it's important that what you're doing with that, because yeah, you may not be able to sell CDs or stuff like that, but just giving those, giving us as musicians an outlet to do stuff. So thank you. Oh, thank you for the thank you. I guess I feel these days in the streaming era, as an independent artist, it feels a lot more difficult to get independent reviews or interviews uh, from bloggers and sites and all kinds of things. You know, part of, I really appreciate this, what you're doing right now with me and what you've done with all the people before me and the ones that will come after. I mean, it's, it's the same boat. We're going to um, quit after this podcast, man. This is it. This is the pinnacle of what we can do. We're done. Uh, you, you, you've got much further to go, I'm afraid. <laughs> At least I mean get that back in a good way. In it. <laughs> there are plenty more buttons out there to push, Uncle Brent. Just find the buttons. You know, you are the person that I couldn't leave in a room with a big red button and be like, don't press that. The world will end. I would want to see what the world ending <laughs> looks like. He'd be like, mm, pushing the button. <laughs> I'll just do it real quick and no one will notice. <laughs> and then I'll run to the other side of the room and go, what, what? It wasn't me. It was not me. It- Blame someone else. Do, yeah. you, do you agree that um, as an artist, it's a lot harder now than maybe it was 10, 20 years ago? I think it is in some ways. I think like there's all the streaming platforms there's spotify there's apple music there's all these other places you can put your music you know you're not like restricted to youtube and limewire wow did i age myself i said limewire um i've used it too i I still use uh, that technology for some things (laughs) yeah it's super legal but anyway you can um, cut that out if you want nah believe it (laughs) but it's almost like because anybody has access to do it a lot of people are doing it and it's, it's almost like there's so many people in the pool. You can't tell who dropped the deuce. I I don't know how else to explain it. Like you can't get to the good shit sometimes because there's so much, not that there's not a lot of good stuff, but there's just so much. It's so inundated that you really have to pick through to find the good artists and the good artists have a hard time reaching people you know, dark stereo or sound pollution or things. Yeah, they're all there, but there's a billion other people there too. And it's, it's hard to be like, no, me, me, me. It's, it's almost like it's inundated. And I, I think that's been bad for the music, for music, but I think um, it has taken a lot of power away from the major record labels. And I think that's good. Yeah. The gatekeepers are dead. <laughs> Now, if you want me, if you really think I'm as good as, and you, you, you either, you apparently do want me because there's all these other people who do similar things. Now you're going to have to treat me better. Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, my music career has a bunch of things wrapped up in it, like uh, a lot of self-doubt, um, self-deprecation, which, you know, is just part of my personality at this point, but. I can't really comment on in the past because in the past, when I was younger in my, you know, late teens, early twenties, I was, I had such a reverence for music. I didn't want to ruin it. So I was afraid to create. I know it sounds weird, but it does. I I just, and you, you can hear it when you talk to me, how much I love music. And I just don't love one style. I like, I'll go anywhere anyone wants to go. If it's good, I love music. So when I was younger, and my mom was a really good musician. And so I always had that. And there are certain things that she can do. I'll never be able to do musically. Uh, Mentally, physically, I just, I can't do it. But I, so for me, now is better because we can all release music, even Maybe the only thing that I can play is the E chord. But let's say you can write a song with E minor. I I am ACDC. I'm ACDC. I'm going to play these four to six notes in 
300 albums and make some of the best songs ever played to sit at a bar and drink, you know, and I think it's great to be in that. And I'm also, you know, a lot of my friends, when they reach a certain age, uh, people in general, they just stop looking for music. They stop growing as people. And I think it's great that we now have the opportunity to meet people like Ivan. I would have never have found Ivan uh, unless, unless he would have been pointed out to me. But now I've heard Ivan. And so now when I write, I'm going to think, what would Ivan do? And I'm going to have a better song because That's of true, there's, I'm there's thinking, more stuff. you know, and elephants and dogs and dark soft and, and the, the groove birds, all that stuff influences me. Cause then I've heard different sonic templates and I've heard different songwriting. So I love now now anyone can be a rock star and being a rock star is creating something awesome you know which is what you've done ivan all your shit that i listen to it's not shit but you know what i'm saying all your music i've listened to is really compelling and it's really good and i think you should be really proud of the things you've done and as you keep building it's going to get better like you working with this other guy that you've never met You know, y'all are going to come up with some good stuff because why? You're not going to let it be crap, you know, and your friend, what's his name? Ben and Melbourne, y'all are guys are going to get together again. It's going to be a love fest. You're going to just, you're going to generate, you're going to, you're going to generate something awesome. And 20 years ago, we could not have done that. No, we couldn't have written with people, you know cities over let alone you know across the world hey how did we get interviewed oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) he asked us he how did this switch how did this switch that's too funny let's talk about that last track let's let's talk about um monolith of clay that's off the overburden album yeah i really liked that one so could you talk a little bit about that song I'm trying to remember how it goes in my head. <laughs> you would be surprised how many people say that. That happens almost every time. They're like, wait, which song was that? I was actually a bit nervous before this interview because I'd listened to you through your one with Nico from oh, Say Nico Ever. Was, yeah. And, and, He's great. and you guys, it was like you deconstructed um, his music to quite a quite a strong detail. It's like, oh, he I hope they didn't that. do that to me because I can't remember half of what I did. <laughs> what did I tell you? He and he does that to everybody. He's like at three minutes, twelve seconds, and there's always someone panicking. You can I watch them panic in their little square. They're like, <laughs> what? I was I. I'll be honest. If I would have had purpose. if I would have had more time, you would have gotten uh, a lot. A lot more. I would have really like pinpointed where I had questions about. Anyway, go ahead and talk about Monolith of Clay because I'm excited. I have, I don't, I don't have a lot of questions. I just want to thank you for something on that song. So go ahead. Oh, I don't know what. Well, I'm on the under pressure now. This is just another, another track that sort of came together on its own. Um, from memory, it starts with a fairly ambient introduction, which is. Something I probably do a bit too often, but recording in an organic way without planning, it helps. I guess it helps me anyway to start with something soft and then see where it goes. Uh, sometimes it'll continue that way and just be to be a short, more classical sort of piece, or it'll become something between, I don't know, four and ten minutes. <laughs> this was actually a six-minute song. Sometimes um, you just keep adding. Oh, yeah. it's not, not quite we, there yet. Need another two minutes. <laughs> you want to know what I liked about this song? There are two things. One, you brought the guitar in early. That's pretty I mean, rare for me. You probably it is. That. It is uh, rare for you, but it turned out really well in that. It track. was really cool, and I was so excited. And this is that part where you like you almost have the isolated guitar riff out in the forefront, which is I was talking about the chest, because you really highlighted not the lead. But the riff itself, and I really like that. And then the clouds opened, and the guitar solo could be heard. Thank you for the guitar solo. I love that guitar solo. It was great. Did you play that? 
Yeah, yeah. That was you. That's it's really good. It was, when I record really the live good. instruments, I just do maybe up to five takes mm-hmm. um, on the fly. So I don't know what that solo is going to be. I just plug in a guitar and jam to the rest of the track. And after a few goes, I'll go, yep, that's good enough. We'll keep, we'll keep that one. That's maybe not completely honest. There are some where I do 30 takes and then I shut down the computer, but usually fairly, fairly quickly. I'm no, not that's a really a- lazy guitarist. I'm not technical in any means. I'm not trained on guitar. I like to play a lot of open strings and then play up an octave on the 12th fret and then muddle around there in a few boxes. <laughs> Uh, it sounded it sounded really really good
Where can people find your music right now? Uh, Bandcamp, and it's all on the, the streaming platforms as well. As of uh, four days ago, I think I went live. So, yeah, just search Minor Arc and it should pop up somewhere or other. <laughs> Isn't it MinorArc.com too? Don't you have it on your website too, MinorArc.com? Oh, yeah, MinorArc.net. .net, that's what it was. I knew it was something people. weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the last question I like to ask, what advice would you give someone who wanted to write music? I'd say do it. Don't um, don't feel compromised by public opinion or, um, you know, whatever is uh, trending at the current time and just do what you think is what you were made to, to write. So, like, write, write authentically and just do it? Yeah, just do what you feel like you have to do. Um, try and compromise as little as possible and enjoy the process. I guess the other piece of advice would be don't feel like you're investing too much. You can invest of yourself emotionally in your music, but don't feel like you're going to have a a huge return on, you know, if you're someone that does a lot of maths and you count the hours you spend uh, in creating something and then you expect a return that's equal to or greater than that, then that's probably the wrong mindset to have in today's day and age, unless you're very lucky, but do it because you love doing it and consider everything that happens after that or any feedback you can get, um, the opportunity to talk to people like you guys, they're all little blessings that come along afterwards. So I appreciate everything you can about anyone that's willing to invest time in listening to your stuff. Man, that was fun. That was a great interview. We want to thank Ivan from Minor Arc for being on the show again. Make sure you click those links below. Make sure that you um, don't just listen to his music. Go over to Dark Stereo. Go read some of those interviews. Learn some more things about uh, some artists that we haven't even interviewed yet. Broaden your horizons. I would say this. Expose yourself to new music. Exposure is key. Oh, man. You know what we forgot to do? We forgot to take some time to thank Panikin. Oh, I thanked him in the beginning. Can you really thank him too much? I don't know. Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was a great interview. That was a lot of fun. I was really looking forward to meeting him. He's Um, a nice guy. He's very nice. He's an incredible songwriter. He's a good songwriter. Yeah. And he's like... Uh, just another one of those artists who are like, oh, it just comes to me. I know. I hate it when they do that. I like, I want to hear some suffering. So I guess we're telling people to download, download. And then when you're done downloading, download some more. Continue to download. And hey, guys, we can tell that you have been downloading. So please keep doing it. If we can keep that up for a while, then I might be able to get paid for our efforts. Also, have your mother download too, because she'll yeah. like the way it feels. <laughs> Brent, I don't even have words. <laughs> you don't edit that out. You need to leave that in there. That just needs to be in there. That's what she said. Okay, everybody, we are going to end on that note. Ice tired. Obviously, Brent's on a roll. You guys get out there, support your local musicians, and make, make some, some noise. noise.